Welcome to the Cleaning and Crime Podcast. My name is Elise, and if you're wondering about the name, (laughs) I love to listen to true crime while I clean. So because cleaning and true crime are my two loves, I've combined the two. And every week I post a new whole house cleaning motivation video on my YouTube channel, See Elise. And in the corner of the video, I'm in a little bubble telling you about a true crime case that's interesting to me. So cleaning and crime. But for some, the cleaning footage is too distracting. Or some people just prefer to listen to their true crime and not watch it. If you want to check out the video version of today's story, be sure to check out my YouTube channel and you'll find a playlist of all of my cleaning and crime episodes. But if you just came here for the crime and not the cleaning, you're in the right place. Trigger warning, this is a true crime podcast. Some episodes may be disturbing to some listeners. Be sure to check the show notes for each episode for specific trigger warnings. Thank you for listening. Enjoy. Before I get into today's case, I'm so sorry to say this, but I'm going to take next week off of cleaning in crime. I'm so sorry, but it's maple syrup season. So I live in northern Wisconsin. I have over 100 maple trees on my property. And last year was our first year making maple syrup. This is our second year. I made a video about it last year. I will link it for you so you can watch it. And we're going to make a new one this year as well. So I will be filming, but it's super labor intensive. There's a ton of work to do, but it's only for a short season. It's only like two or three weeks, but this week will be very busy. So I'm going to take a week off of murder and focus on syrup. Today's true crime case is about the family annihilator Chris Watts from Colorado. And the murder of his pregnant wife Shanann and their two daughters Bella and Celeste. This case, this is one of those cases that just sticks in my craw. And I followed it very closely for a lot of reasons, but mostly because of proximity. I live in Wisconsin now, but I've only been here for about a year and a half. Before that, we lived in Colorado for many years, and I actually lived 10 minutes away from Chris and Shanann. They're also my age. And their daughter Cece was born a week after my daughter was born, so same age. I have friends that work at the oil and gas fields in eastern Colorado. And I felt like I could have been friends with Shanann, you know? So I feel like when something happens really close to you and you can put yourself in their shoes, it kind of sticks in your mind a lot more. But anyway, I hate this guy and his super highly punchable face. So let me tell you about him while I clean my house. Cool? Cool. Shanann was born January 10th, 1984, and Chris was born May 16th, 1985. And they were both living in North Carolina. Shanann randomly got a Facebook friend request from Chris, who she didn't know, but he was nearby in Spring Lake, North Carolina. And she was like, what the hell? Like, he looks cute. I'm never going to meet him. What's the harm in accepting a friend request? But surprise, surprise, they did meet. After a while of talking on Facebook, they decided to meet and they hit it off, fell in love quickly and started dating in 2010. Shanann was recently divorced when she met Chris, but it was a very unhappy and short marriage. And Shanann said she really lost herself in that first marriage. But after the divorce, she started focusing on herself, trying to find herself again. And things were just starting to get better when suddenly Shanann started feeling kind of sick. She was exhausted all the time. Her hair started falling out and started getting really, really thin. She just felt like crap and she knew something wasn't right and she ended up getting diagnosed with lupus, which is an autoimmune disease. When she started getting the medical treatment she needed and just the understanding that comes along with getting an accurate diagnosis, she really started improving. She said it was incredibly difficult. It was a very dark time in her life. But once she got over the hump, her health dramatically improved and things were going great. And then she met Chris and things only got better from there. Chris and Shanann dated for two years and they ended up getting married in 2012. And just a few months after the wedding, 
Shanann found out she was pregnant. Now, the pregnancy was a shock, but it was a good shock because when Shanann was diagnosed with lupus, she was also told that she most likely would not be able to get pregnant ever. So when she turned up pregnant, she was overjoyed. Now, just before the pregnancy, Chris and Shanann had gone on a vacation to Colorado and they loved it. I mean, it's it's gorgeous there. And while they were there, they decided we should live here. This is stunning. Let's move here. So after the wedding, they settled in Frederick, Colorado. Their first daughter, Bella, was born that same year on December 17th, 2013. And two years later, they had their second daughter, Celeste, who they called Cece, on July 17th, 2015. Chris worked for Anadarko Petroleum at an oil and gas field as an operator, and Shanann worked at a children's hospital. But after she had the girls, she decided to quit that job and stay home and work for an MLM called Lavelle, selling Thrive, which was a diet and lifestyle nutritional supplement thing. Now, because of her job, Shanann was online constantly. Part of the job is being super active on social media, and she went on Facebook Live all the time. I think that's part of the reason why this case got so much attention and interest. Like, the fact that there was so much footage of the family online, like Shanann telling their life story, photos and videos of the kids, tons of videos of Chris playing with the girls. I mean, I mean, the documentary made itself. But Shanann busted her ass, spending all of her extra time on her job. She had excellent sales numbers. She got to go on trips, and she even won a free Lexus from the company. Shanann was super outgoing and she was very natural on camera sharing her life. Whereas Chris was very shy and introverted and awkward on camera. Not everybody likes a camera being shoved in their face. I love having a camera shoved in my face. (laughs) But pretty much everyone that knew them said that their relationship was great, that opposites attract, that Chris was a great father. And from the outside looking in, they were a great, happy, loving family. Isn't that always how these stories start? (laughs) Despite all of this, the family was having some money troubles. They ended up filing for bankruptcy in 2015. They had some debt. They also had a very large mortgage payment of over $3,000. And they also had a bunch of overdue bills with their homeowners association because they weren't paying their monthly dues. They were bringing in about $90,000 a year, but the bottom line is they were struggling a bit with money. They had mouths to feed, bills to pay, and friends said that they were living a bit above their means. In early 2018, Chris told Shanann that he wanted to try for a third baby. Shanann assumed that it's because he wanted to try for a boy since they had the two girls. And it actually didn't take long before Shanann found out she was pregnant again. Shanann got a shirt that said, oops, we did it again, and presented Chris with the positive pregnancy test with a camera in his face while live streaming his reaction on Facebook Live. You can watch the reaction video and many other videos that Shanann put online, either online on YouTube or in the Netflix documentary. And people later really discussed this video a lot because they thought Chris didn't seem excited and that he was acting strange. But it can be pretty awkward to have a camera in your face while you're receiving big news like that. And honestly, he seemed a little weird and unexcited in every video I saw him in, so... But anyway, Shanann was pregnant with baby number three. She was super excited and she planned a gender reveal party for August, which would be a couple of weeks after the anatomy scan. Not long after Shanann informed Chris that she was pregnant, Chris bumped into a co-worker named Nicole Kessinger. Nicole worked for Anadarko in the environmental department and she would bump into the operators when she went to the break room to put her lunch in the fridge. And I guess Chris saw her and thought... Well, she's cute. So he like went to her office for some reason and struck up a conversation. And I guess the two had a bit of a spark. So Chris and the coworker Nicole start talking. Emails and texts, that sort of thing. 
Now, not long after Chris and Nicole started up their work friendship, Shanann and the girls actually were leaving to go on a large vacation. So Shanann and the girls left on June 27th to go to North Carolina to visit friends and family for six weeks. So basically the entire summer. Chris obviously worked, so he couldn't go with to the entire vacation, but he was planning on going to North Carolina for the final week of the vacation so that they could all fly back to Colorado together. The night before the girls left, so the 26th, Neighbors reported hearing screaming and arguing, and they reported seeing Chris and Shanann out in the driveway yelling at each other. We don't really know what that was about, but not the best send-off when you're about to leave your husband for six weeks, you know? Now, as soon as his family left for six weeks, Chris saw an opportunity, an opportunity to do whatever the hell he wanted. He was living the bachelor life for a month and a half. So naturally, he reached out to his new buddy, Nicole. Now, before you get mad at Nicole, the girl didn't know at first. Chris told Nicole his wife and girls left him and were in North Carolina, so she knew he had two daughters, but he also told her that they were separated and that they were practically divorced. Like, oh, don't worry about it. We're like almost divorced, like 10 more minutes. Don't even worry about it. And it was easy to believe because Chris's house was empty. Like, they were gone. So while Shanann and the girls were in North Carolina, Chris and coworker Nicole's relationship intensifies and it goes from an emotional affair to a full-blown affair. And right away at the beginning of the trip, Shanann knew something was different with Chris. He wasn't answering calls and texts. He was very, very distant. He was much less affectionate than he usually was. Right away, she knew something was up. On July 7th, phone records indicate that Nicole called Chris on the phone phone for the first time. It was a two-minute conversation at midnight. Hmm? Then the evening of July 7th, Chris's cell phone pinged at multiple restaurant bar locations at the Outdoor Orchard Mall. While Chris was out, he missed calls from Shanann. And the next morning, he texted her an excuse that he was so sorry he missed her calls. He was completely exhausted from the heat at work that day and went home and went to bed early. Shanann asked him if everything was okay. He seemed like something was wrong. And he replied, no, he was just tired and stressed from work. Shanann wasn't really buying it. And she said, I keep trying to talk to you, but I have to like, dig it out of you. I love you and I miss you, but I feel like all you want to do is work out and sleep and I miss you. I just wish my husband wanted to talk to me. Chris did seem to work out a lot, which is, I mean, great, but he seemed to want to work out a lot. And he had recently lost a bunch of weight. Like he went from about 250 down to 180. So it's a significant weight loss. Good job. But Shanann had noticed that all he wanted to do was work out, run, work, and sleep. And they just weren't really spending a lot of time together. And she missed him. But he managed to pull himself up by his bootstraps and go out after work with Nicole. Funny how that works. Records show that Shanann frequently texted, called, and FaceTimed Chris, and he wouldn't answer. One night, she FaceTimed him several times, and he didn't answer. And the next day, he texted her, I'm so sorry. I didn't see those FaceTime calls. They rang on my work phone. And Shanann replied, I don't give a fuck about a missed call. You call your kids at night. You call your kids in the morning to say good morning. I thought maybe you would miss your family. So things were tense. In North Carolina, Shanann brought the kids over to her in-laws to go see their grandparents. So Chris's parents. And I guess while they were there, Shanann had a fight with Cindy, Chris's mom. Now there are two sides to the story. Isn't there always? Shanann told it as, 
Cece had a bunch of food allergies, and Cindy brought out some ice cream while they were there, and it contained every ingredient that Cece was allergic to. Shanann saw it and said, please make sure you don't give Cece any of that ice cream. She's allergic. She can't eat that, so be careful. Then Cindy argued with her and said she had no freaking clue that Cece even had any allergies. They argued, and then Cindy ended up kicking Shanann out of the house. Cindy's side of the story was that when Shanann saw the ice cream, she started screaming. She went crazy crazy, yelling that Cindy was trying to kill her baby on purpose. The argument got so out of hand that Cindy asked Shanann to leave. So, very different versions of the story. But there's definitely tension between Shanann and her in-laws. Shanann then texted Chris and said, you need to call your dad and let him know that you don't appreciate that they almost killed Cece with their actions. And Chris replied, absolutely, I totally agree, especially since the kids are involved. Whatever that means. And he said that he was going to take care of it. Then a few days later, Shanann had a birthday party for Cece, and the in-laws did not come, despite the fact that they said they were going to be there for Cece's birthday party. Shanann texted her friends about all of the in-law drama, and about how she was mad that they didn't come to their granddaughter's birthday party, and she told one friend, I don't ever want to see them again. So it sounds like Shanann was fixing to possibly cut the in-laws out of the kids' lives. But this wasn't about allergies or ice cream. This was anger built up over years, in my opinion. Because apparently, ever since Chris and Shanann got together, Chris's family, especially his mother and sister, did not like Shanann. At all. They didn't like a thing about her. Chris said that his mom would always say Shanann was nowhere near good enough for her son. And Chris's family didn't even go to Chris and Shanann's wedding. That's how much they didn't like her. And when they moved to Colorado, Chris's family said, oh, Shanann's just trying to move Chris away from us. And here's Shanann on this trip, and she has to spend time with her in-laws that don't like her without Chris there as a buffer. That's a situation that's not going to go smoothly. That's a situation that even ice cream can ruin. And I'm left wondering, why was Chris incapable of having a conversation with his family, setting healthy boundaries, standing up for his wife and his new family? Like, was he not pissed that his own family didn't go to his own wedding? So Shanann's mood was really taking a hit. A bit of a damper on the vacation. She's tired. She's pregnant. Her bitch-ass husband won't call her back. And again, this wasn't normal for Chris. It was obvious that something was going on, that something had changed. Chris was usually very affectionate, lovey-dovey, grabby, like he was an ass grabber and a public kisser. They were a PDA couple. But now that she's pregnant and out of town, suddenly he's a completely different person. So very frustrating. So Shanann starts to think it's the fight with the in-laws. He must be mad at me or his family must have gotten to him. Things were fine before I left, and now they're not fine. And that's the only thing that's happened. So it's either that or there's someone else. Like, she's not a fucking idiot. On July 14th, Chris and Nicole, the mistress, hung out at a car museum. And Shanann called Chris several times while he was with Nicole, and those calls went unanswered, obviously. Frustrated, Shanann then started texting her friends, explaining her troubles with Chris, explaining how distant he's being. And finally, after Chris's date was over, he called his wife back. Again, she tells him, look, we need to talk. What's going on? You're acting so different. Is there someone else? And he says, of course not. No, I'm just tired. I'm just stressed. And she's like, I don't buy it. I know there's something going on and we need to talk about it. And this is when Chris drops the freaking bomb on Shanann. I don't want this baby. He says, I don't want this baby. I've lost the spark. I don't feel the way I used to about you. And she was like, bitch, this baby was your idea. And Chris was like, yeah, I 
thought another baby would reignite the spark, but it didn't. I'm just happy with Bella and Cece. I don't want to add another kid to the mix. And Shanann's like, well, too fucking late. The kid's in there. Shanann was obviously devastated. How can you not be? And she was like, look, look, I love you. I love this family. This is worth fighting for. Let's do marriage counseling. And Chris is like, nah, I don't want to. On July 18th, Chris and Nicole the mistress start sending naughty, naughty pictures to each other. To hide his bad behavior from his wife, he downloaded a secret calculator app where you type in a secret code and boom, you get access to all your dirty little secrets that you're hiding from your wife. And then that evening, Chris started Googling vacation spots. Huh. On July 24th, Nicole's computer records show that she was Googling, man I'm having an affair with says he will leave his wife. And obviously at this point, she knows that Chris and Shanann are still married. Meanwhile, that same day, Shanann is texting Chris. You could have texted me back. I was worried. I thought something happened. But you don't care about other people's feelings. Or you're with another girl. Or worse, no consideration of others. Honestly, where's the lie? Shanann also messaged Chris and told him that their relationship was very one-sided and that he needed to meet her halfway. He texted back that he was sorry and that he loves her. And she replied, I try to give you space, but while you're working and living the bachelor life, I'm carrying our third child while fighting with our two kids daily and trying to work and make money. It's easy to just text, I love you, I miss you, but we need to talk. I keep looking at my phone all night, waiting for you to call so that we can talk. And no response from you. Like, we didn't start dating yesterday. We've been together for eight years and we have two and a half kids together. The next day, the 25th, Chris's computer records show, and this one threw me for a loop, that he was searching when to say I love you, when to say I love you in a new relationship, and what do you feel when someone tells you they love you? That one. That one gave me chills. Am I to believe that you don't know what you're supposed to feel when you're in love? You have to Google it? On July 28th, Chris and Nicole went on a trip to the sand dunes. They took a ton of pictures and videos together, and Chris put them in his secret calculator app for storage. The final week of the North Carolina trip. On July 31st, Chris flew out to meet his family, and when he landed, the girls greeted him at the airport. He hugged and kissed Shanann, and then they went about the rest of their vacation. While the family was at the beach, Shanann was texting her friends. He's only kissed me once since he's been here, and that was at the airport. He did even grab my ass. I just want to cry not seeing each other and no sex for five and a half weeks and he won't touch me. Her friends were super supportive like what the fuck is wrong with him? Tell him how you feel and Shanann was like I did. He won't talk to me. On August 3rd and 4th Chris was on his phone a lot getting lots of texts and dirty pictures from Nicole which he was transferring to his calculator app all while he's on vacation with his family. Shanann's family reported that Chris was very quiet and distant. Meanwhile, Nicole, back in Colorado, was Googling Chris Watts, Shanann Watts, looking at their Facebook pages, and she also spent a lot of time looking at wedding dresses. The trip comes to an end. The Watts family goes back to Colorado. And on August 7th, Shanann texts with a friend venting about what's going on with Chris and how he told her that he was scared to death of this baby and that he doesn't want it at all. Her friend was trying to lift her up, telling her he's probably just scared. He's just being a guy, like a third baby, more work, no sleep, more responsibility. He'll be fine when the baby gets here. But Shanann was like, no, he has changed. He's been distant since I left. He won't touch me. He hasn't touched me all week. I don't know who he is. But 
Back at home in Colorado, Chris and Shanann were... They were working on it. They had lots of long talks, some arguing. They were trying to talk it out. Then Shanann decided to cancel the gender reveal party because Chris didn't want to do it. Shanann then had an ultrasound on August 8th and she found out that they were having a boy and she decided to name him Nico. A friend texted Shanann asking if everything was okay because she was concerned that the gender reveal party was canceled. Probably thinking the worst, like maybe a pregnancy loss or something. But Shanann replied back, Chris and I are no longer compatible. Her friend was like, what? She summed it up quickly and her friend asked, what the hell changed in five weeks? And she said, I don't know. I just feel like crying all the time. Shanann was trying desperately to keep that spark going with Chris and to get some physical intimacy. She texts her friend, I had a night shower. That means I want sex and he knows it. I get out. What's he doing? Push-ups. He's ignoring me and he's doing a push-up challenge. So I'm just here naked and crying. And her friend tells her, stay naked. Get it, girl. Like, he'll figure it out. Shanann's like, okay, you're right. I'm going to go for it. Wish me luck I get sex tonight. And her friend's like, get it, girl. Get your freak on. But an hour later, Shanann texts her back. Well, he rejected me. The poor girl flaunted her naked ass around in front of her husband that she hasn't slept with in almost two months. And he was like, eh past. And then she sat there sobbing for an hour and he fell asleep. Can you imagine the devastation, the rejection? Like that would be awful enough on a random Thursday. But when you've been separated for that long and then you've got all these pregnancy hormones and oh my God. After crying for an hour, Shanann got pissed and she woke his ass up and demanded to know who he was fucking. He was like, no one, God, not now. But she demands that he talk to her. Chris just told her, it's not about someone else. I'm not doing marriage counseling. I'm just not into you anymore. Shanann was texting all of her friends. They were rallying around her. She was like, I will fight him for full custody. I don't want to be a single mom to three kids. And I can't afford to be a single mom to three kids in Colorado. And the mortgage is in his name. It seems that Shanann, during these couple of weeks after the vacation, was just giving it her all. And that Chris was just on autopilot and was hoping to be left alone. But she was really trying. Shanann finds a book about building loving relationships, a marriage counseling adjacent book. And she asks Chris, if I buy this, will you read it? And he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. And she orders it from Amazon and it's going to be delivered on August 10th. Shanann and Chris were having all these long talks. And if they went well, Shanann would get a burst of hope and she would text her friends. We had the best talk yet. They managed to do some cuddling. Chris finally slept with her. So Shanann thought that she was getting through. Chris would later say that that sex was awkward and uncomfortable. Great. Shanann had to go on a business trip to Arizona with Lavelle, the company that she worked for, for a weekend. A pretty common thing for MLMs, like if you're a top seller, you get to go on these trips, there's talks, there's awards, there's prizes. Shanann's friend, Nicole, with a K. We're going to call her Nicole with a K because that's confusing. She worked with Shanann and she was also going on this trip. So they drove to the airport together and flew together and all that. On August 9th, Shanann left a long letter for Chris at the house before she left, thanking him for the effort and basically thanking him for showing her intimacy. Like when you read that letter... It's very sweet and passionate. And like, just from reading her words, you can tell that physical touch was 
absolutely her love language. And it really shed some light to me about why the past two months have really sent her spiraling. Now, Chris was obviously staying home with the girls while Shanann was out of town on this trip. And he ended up asking the neighbor if the neighbor's daughter could babysit Bella and Celeste while he went to a Rockies baseball game on Saturday. They agreed, but Chris did not go to a Rockies game. He actually went on a date with Nicole. Father of the year, right? The same weekend, Mistress Nicole's search history showed that she was busy searching for how to prepare for anal sex, the anal sex guide, and she was also watching a lot of pornography. And she was researching threesomes. People got really worked up about this. And they threw a lot of shade at Nicole. Like, oh my God, porn? What a horrible person. And it's like, okay, calm down, prudes. Like... Nicole may be a mistress to a married man, but her interests have nothing to do with Chris Watts killing his family. You know what I mean? Anyway, Shanann was not in great spirits on her trip, and she actually didn't feel well, and her friend Nicole with a K definitely noticed, and she was worried. She had to, like, force her to eat food and drink water. Shanann knew that Chris was going to a Rockies game on Saturday, but... On Sunday, when she checked her bank statement, she saw a charge from the Lazy Dog Bar and Grill in Westminster for over $63. Now I've been there. I've eaten there several times and it's not expensive. It would be a chore to rack up 63 bucks on your own. So Shanann called him up and asked him, what's with this charge? Were you with someone else? And he's like, no, I was on my own. I got a burger and a beer. But then she goes online, looks up the Lazy Dog's menu, and she's like, a burger and a beer. That's like after tip, 30 bucks tops. So again, her suspicions that Chris is cheating intensify. On the way back from this Arizona trip, their flight gets delayed, which sucks. Like they're tired. She's pregnant. She's not feeling well. And they end up not getting home and dropping Shanann off at home until almost 2 a.m. on August 13th, 2018. Chris got up around four in the morning on the 13th to go to work, showered, got dressed. And I guess Shanann woke up and they had a conversation about their marriage. But then Chris left for work around 5.15. And on his way, he called the school to inform them that Bella and Celeste would no longer be attending. Not calling them in sick, like pulling them out of school. What the fuck? The morning of August 13th, Shanann had a doctor's appointment just a couple of hours after she landed. And it was an ultrasound appointment, so it was a more important one in the grand scheme of things. And Shanann was on her friend Nicole with a K's mind. She was worried that Shanann didn't feel well while they were on the trip. She knew all the shit that was going on with Chris. And she called Shanann to check in, but she didn't get an answer. So she texted her and was like, hey, just let me know how your doctor's appointment goes. But when she didn't hear back in a while, she started calling again. And she called several times rapid fire and got no answer. And Nicole with a K was like, "Mm mm-mm. So she texted Shanann. She's like, look, I'm worried. I'm coming over. Nicole with a K gets to the Watts house. She starts ringing the doorbell, knocking on the door. She's not getting any answers. The door is locked. She can't get in. Now they had a video doorbell. So all of the movement and attempts to get in the door were sending alerts to Chris's phone. Nicole calls Chris and asks him, have you seen your wife? Do you know where she is? Do you know where the girls are? I'm not getting a hold of them. And Chris tells her, All I know is she said she has a play date. She hangs up and she starts looking in the windows and she looks in the garage window and she sees the Lexus in the garage with the two car seats in the back seat. She's like, "Mm -mm." 
They didn't go on any play date. They didn't go anywhere. Something's really wrong. So she starts trying the door again. She starts randomly punching numbers into the garage keypad. She starts going around the house looking for open doors and windows, like trying to break in. And all of this movement is again sending alerts to Chris's phone. So Chris calls Nicole with a K and he's like, what are you doing? Quit trying to break into my house. She's not home. She's on a play date. You need to leave the property. Nicole tells him, I'm looking in your garage right now. The Lexus is here. The car seats are here. And Chris tells her, I don't know where she was going. Maybe she walked. Nicole's like, "Mm -mm. I'm going to call the police. And Chris is like, don't do that. Don't get the police involved. Nicole's like, screw you. Hangs up, calls Shanann's doctor's office and asks the receptionist if Shanann showed up to her appointment. The receptionist told her no. So Nicole with a K hung up and called the cops. Can we take a moment for Nicole with a K and acknowledge what a great fucking friend she is? Cops get there, Nicole fills them in, and she starts calling Shanann's parents in North Carolina, hoping that maybe they know a garage code or something, because Chris sure as shit isn't helping. They did not. The cops call Chris and tell him, you need to come home, and he tells them, I'm actually already on the way. They ask him for the garage code, and he says, keypad doesn't work. You can watch everything that happens next online or in the Netflix documentary. And when I tell you people picked every second of this apart, Chris gets home. He opens up the door, lets the cop in. Nicole with a K shoves her way into like back off skinny boy. They start looking through the house. The cop is asking Chris questions. The first thing that stood out to me, Chris is calm and awkward and he's just like aimlessly wandering around the house, walking from room to room, looking around. Like if my spouse and my kids were missing, I would be frantic. I'd be running around screaming their names, looking for, I'd be completely useless. He was acting very strange. Obviously, there's no sign of Shanann or the kids at the house. Nicole finds Shanann's cell phone in between the couch cushions, and she also finds her medication in her purse still in the house. Because remember, she had lupus. Nicole said there was no way that Shanann would have left without her meds, and her cell phone was her lifeline. After looking around the house, everything was super neat and tidy. Nicole said that Shanann had a touch of the OCD, and she was always cleaning, always organizing, always tidying. I can relate. So there was obviously no sign of a struggle. The sheets were also missing from the main bedroom and the kids' bedrooms, so bare beds. And the marriage counseling book that Shanann ordered was in the recycling bin. Chris at one point awkwardly comes out of the bedroom holding Shanann's wedding ring and said he found it on the nightstand on her side of the bed. And he was like trying to act all like shocked and sad, but he's a really bad actor. Chris told the cop that Shanann had gotten home around two and that he left for work around 5.15, but her and the kids were sleeping when he left and he didn't know where they were. The cop spoke to the next door neighbor because he spotted a security camera on the guy's house pointed toward Chris and Shanann's house. So they all go over to go look at the footage. Now you can see the neighbor's truck and then behind it, you can see Chris pull his truck up to the garage door. And then you can see Chris get out and he's loading stuff into the truck. It's not super clear. It's a bit grainy. It looks like he's putting bags in the truck, but he does make three trips. And while they were watching the footage, Chris was kind of narrating what they were seeing. Like, yeah, you know, I usually park the work truck on the street because it leaks oil and Shanann doesn't like it if it messes up the driveway. So, you know, I always pull my truck up to the garage to like grab my tools and stuff before I go to work. So after they watch all the footage, Chris and Nicole with a K go to leave to go back to the Watts house. And the cop tells him, yeah, I'll meet you back over there. I'm just going to get this guy's information. And as soon as Chris leaves and that door shuts, the neighbor goes, he ain't acting right. And the neighbor also told the cop, 
Chris never pulls his truck up to the garage like that. So cops start passing out flyers to the neighborhood. They set up roadblocks and talk to every car going through the town. And word gets around that this young pregnant mom and her kids were missing. Meanwhile, Chris starts deleting text messages and photos from and containing his mistress, Nicole. Then Chris and Nicole share a 51-minute phone call, and we don't know what was said on that phone call. But then the next day on August 14th, Nicole was Googling, can police trace deleted text messages? And she spent a bunch of time researching the topic. The media gets interest and they want to interview Chris in his home to help spread the word, help find Shanann. Shanann's mother in North Carolina told Chris, don't do the TV interview. People pick that shit apart. They always think that it's the husband in these situations and they'll try to make you look guilty. Don't do it. Like at this point... Shanann's mother really thought there's no way Chris was involved in the family's disappearance. But Chris decided to do it. And when that interview hit TVs, Shanann's mother was like, thank God he did that interview because she was right. It made him look guilty as fuck. Now, like I said, I lived 10 minutes from Chris and Shanann. And like, as soon as she went missing, people I knew were sharing the news stories on Facebook. My neighbors were outside talking about it. Like it was the talk of the town. And I will never forget watching this live news interview on my local news while I was sitting on the couch drinking coffee. I will never forget it. And as soon as I saw his stupid face and his stupid smirk, I looked at my husband and I said, oh, this guy, he killed his family. So Chris was awkward. He was rocking back and forth. He was stammering. He was saying, like a lot. He kept smiling and smirking and laughing. It was super unconvincing and uncomfortable. I will leave a link in the YouTube description box so you can watch a video of the interview. But it's just so uncomfortable. And also, dead fish eyes. Nothing is more of a giveaway to me than dead fish eyes. I'm telling you, unsettling. Now, after police didn't find Shanann and the kids, and after Chris looked super freaking guilty on TV, they brought him in for questioning on August 15th. So two days after they went missing, Chris was asked if the two were arguing and he was asked if he was having an affair to which he said, nah, I wouldn't do that. But Chris was quick to say he thought Shanann may have been having an affair. The investigator told Chris that he was a suspect and they needed to rule him out and asked him to take a lie detector test. And Chris agreed. The investigator that administered the lie detector test was pretty hilarious. She explained how it was going to work and she was like, right now, one person knows what really happened. And after this is done, two people are going to know. And she also said, if you had anything to do with Shanann and the girls going missing, it would be really stupid for you to be here right now. You know, like it would be really stupid for you to take this test, wouldn't it? But he takes it. And as he's answering the questions, he is like stiff as a board. And at one point, the investigator was like, I'm, I'm really going to need you to just like breathe normally. And in my head, I heard her be like, I'm just going to need you to not be like so fucking suspicious. Anyway, he failed. He failed by a wide margin. He super failed. Meanwhile, while they're doing the test, a coworker came forward and brought Chris's GPS from his truck. And he also said that he found emails between Chris and Nicole proving a relationship. Also, while Chris was being interrogated, Nicole, the mistress, was at home Googling Shanann Watts, and she's watching the TV interview that Chris just did, and she found out from the news that Shanann was 15 weeks pregnant, and she was like, what the 
fuck. So Nicole, the mistress, decided to come forward and talk to the police. She told them everything about the relationship, gave them her side of the story, and she told the police that when she watched the interview that Chris did on the news, his eyes looked different, like he had no soul, and that he just looked like a different man. So investigators start grilling Chris. They're like, you failed the lie detector test. You need to tell us what really happened. And Chris is like, I didn't lie on that test. The woman investigator says, we're convinced that they're dead, okay? You need to tell us where their bodies are. Did Shanann do something? Did she do something like hurt the kids? Something that made you have to hurt her? Chicks are crazy. And Chris then gets really antsy and then he says, can I talk to my father? I want to talk to my father because he knew his dad was outside. So they let him. They bring Chris's father in and they leave them alone. Chris is crying now and that investigator had just spoon fed him a really good idea. So Chris tells his dad, I don't want to protect her anymore. She hurt the girls. She strangled them and I had to hurt her. He like whispered it because he's a little bitch. That cop handed him that BS and he's like, actually, that sounds like a pretty good idea. He threw his dead wife under the bus for his kids' deaths and used that as an excuse for why he killed her and she couldn't defend herself. What a coward. So Chris confesses through tears and he tells them where to find their bodies at his job site. They used his truck's GPS to identify where he went and then they sent drones out to the location because it was pretty expansive. In the footage, they see a bed sheet crumpled up on the ground. And nearby that, they find disturbed earth. So they show the drone shot to Chris and he confirms that the bed sheet was wrapped around Shanann and the disturbed earth was where he buried her. They asked him, where are the girls? And he pointed on the photo and the investigator said, are they in the oil tanks? And he nodded. Now, at first, Chris stuck to the story. Him and Shanann had talked about their marriage that morning, and it was a very emotional talk, and that Shanann was obviously not happy about it. He said then he left the room briefly, and when he came back in, he saw on the baby monitor that Shanann was strangling the girls. What, like, one in each hand? Like, what the fuck, Chris? He said by the time he got in the room, the girls were blue, and he snapped, and he had to strangle her. Afterward, he panicked, and he didn't want people to think Shanann was a monster, so he disposed of their bodies and hoped people would just think that they ran away, that she left him. Okay, Chris. He said after he killed Shanann, he wrapped all three of them in sheets, pulled his truck up to the garage, put their bodies in the truck, drove to the job site, buried Shanann, and dropped both the girls in one of the oil tanks. This is graphic and awful, so feel free to skip ahead if you don't want to hear it. There's a hole on top of these, like, 20-foot tanks. It's a hatch that's about eight inches wide. There was a tuft of blonde hair on the side of the hatch, indicating that Chris had a difficult time fitting the oldest girl, Bella, through the opening. And when they recovered the girls' bodies, Bella had scratches on her left buttock from being shoved through the opening of the oil tank. I just can't wrap my mind around this shit. And the truth is even worse than this version. And we'll get to that. The investigators were like, are you comfortable with the public knowing that Shanann hurt the girls? And he's like, I didn't hurt the girls. And they're like, are you comfortable with the public knowing that Shanann killed the girls? And he's like, yes, because I didn't hurt the girls. Dude, fuck you. They were like, it's not adding up, Chris. You know what I think? I think you've got this hot little piece of ass on the side and you want that life. But in order to have that new fun life, you've got to get rid of the old life. So either you're this monster or something else. I I think we're so close to the truth, but we're not quite there yet. And Chris just said, 
I'm not a monster. Chris was arrested and charged with three counts of first-degree murder, additional counts for the death of a child under the age of 12 by a person in a trusted position, unlawful termination of a pregnancy because, remember, Shanann was pregnant, and three counts of tampering with the deceased body. The news publicly confirmed that Chris killed Shanann and that he was claiming that Shanann had killed the girls. Conspiracy theorists and armchair detectives got busy, picking apart everything that was posted on social media by Shanann. And there were people yelling online that Chris was innocent and that Shanann seemed kind of like a bitch and that she drove him to it. They were just victim blaming to the extreme. Mm-mm-mm. Prosecution was going to go for the death penalty, but Shanann's parents actually requested that they not go for the death penalty because they didn't want any more death. So Chris was offered a plea deal to avoid the death penalty if he pled guilty. And he agreed. And on November 6th, Chris pled guilty to all three murders. And on November 19th, Chris was sentenced to five life sentences, three consecutive to concurrent, without the possibility of parole, plus 48 years for unlawful termination of the pregnancy, and 36 years for three counts of tampering with a deceased body. Chris is serving out his life sentences at the Dodge Correctional Facility in Wisconsin. Hey, buddy. In 2019, Chris came forward for the first time with his account of what happened that day, and it's fucking awful. So buckle up, and please skip ahead if you must. Chris said that early that morning, him and Shanann did have a talk about their marriage, and that it was very emotional, and they were both crying. Shanann accused him again of an affair, and she said, I know there's someone else. Chris denied the affair, but he told her that the marriage was just not going to work. He simply did not love her anymore. Chris then said that Shanann told him, you're never going to see the kids again. He said the conversation lasted less than 30 minutes and it ended with him seeing red and strangling Shanann. He said that Shanann did not scream and she didn't fight back at all. And he doesn't know why. As Chris was rolling Shanann's body in their bed sheet, Bella woke up and came into their room and asked, what's wrong with mommy? Chris told her, mommy's not feeling well and she's asleep. He carried Shanann wrapped in the bed sheet down the stairs and the noise of him pulling Shanann down the stairs and Bella crying behind him woke up Cece. After Shanann's body was in the truck, he put Bella and Cece in the back seat with her, with no car seats, and he drove them to the job site. Super upsetting part here. Chris used Cece's blanket to smother her while also strangling her and then dropped her into the oil tank. Bella, who saw the whole thing, asked, is the same thing going to happen to me as Cece? And then he did the same to Bella and dropped her into the oil tank as well. He then buried Shanann, leaving the bedsheet behind, and went to work. What an incredible piece of shit. That's got to be probably the most evil thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Chris requested to not see any of the photos from the crime scene, and he said that he prayed for the hazmat team and anyone else that had to see the aftermath. Chris is not at all popular in prison, so he spends 23 hours a day in protective custody. He's allowed out of his cell for one hour to shower and exercise, and he's also allowed a Bible and photos of the family that he killed. Chris says that he found God and that he spends most of his time reading scriptures to the photos of his family. And when he's not reading the Bible, he's reading the slutty letters from his female fans. Yes, you heard me right. Chris gets lots of sexy, sexy letters from women all over the country and lots of sexy pictures and nudes as well. Because deep down, they really know him and they really know that he's innocent and he's a good guy. They just want to make him feel all better. 
I'm gonna fix him. Plus he's like so cute. And that is the terrible, horrible, awful story of Chris Watts, who is an absolute piece of garbage. Stop writing him letters, stop sending him nudes, and just let him rot away in his prison cell like he deserves. Rest in peace to Shanann and Bella and Cece and Nico. And I hope Shanann's family finds some sort of peace knowing that Chris is locked up forever and never getting out. And public service announcement, if you're thinking about killing your family because you don't want to be married anymore, try divorce first. Thank you for listening to Cleaning and Crime. If you'd like more content from me or you want to see the cleaning side of things, check me out on YouTube or TikTok or follow my socials, all of which are under the name C. Elise, S-E-E-E-L-I-S-E. If you have any questions or any case ideas that you'd like to share, email me at cleanclean at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to rate, review, and subscribe. These episodes include my personal opinions, and all information is compiled by me using references that are publicly available. Sources are included in the show notes. All parties described are innocent until proven guilty. See you next time.